Sorry, I don't love you. A friend I've grown accustomed to. Cause with you, something isn't wrong. Something isn't wrong. Something isn't right. I wish you could be happy. Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. This is our first episode of 2017. It feels very strange saying that because it is still 2016 for Craig and I as we are recording this. We're doing this on the 22nd, so just, you know, a few days before Christmas here, but we are going to be talking all about Arrow today. And as I mentioned, Craig Manning is my guest. I guess I did not say his last name first, but... (laughs) Hello. (laughs) So he has been a guest on my other podcast, Misaligned, before, and now he is jumping over to this podcast. And hopefully, Craig, we will have you on for quite a few topics here. I know with this, it's sort of just a hodgepodge of things. So there's so many different things I am open to cover on here, and we will definitely have you back on for more things. But right now, we are going to focus on the CW show, Arrow. So... Craig, did you start watching this show from the beginning? Um, yes, I, I, I did. I watched the premiere episode the night it premiered, and then I watched um, throughout that fall. I think I watched everything throughout that fall. Um, that was my senior year in college when that was happening. And then the second semester that year, I had all evening classes. So um, I sort of fell behind at that point, but... Um, after I moved in with my girlfriend, now wife, uh, we watched all of season one, pretty much binged it, um, and then we were just a few episodes into season two uh, when we started watching, so we just we caught up, and then we've been watching ever since then. How about you? Have you been watching since the beginning? I have, but because in college I never had a TV or a cable subscription or anything, oh, okay. I would have to yeah. watch the day after, you know? Because back then, Hulu was free and had most of the CW shows, I believe. So it's like a combination of sitting through Hulu commercials the next day or watching it by other streaming means. That is all I will say about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was, I think they were on the CW site, too. And they might still be like the last right. few. Um, but yeah, Hulu is, I don't know, Hulu went the way of things I don't use. <laughs> Yeah, so basically this story is following Oliver Queen, who in the DC Comics universe is known as the Green Arrow, not just Arrow. But when Arrow started, we sort of got a few different views on Arrow. First, wasn't he, you know, like the Green Hood, then the Green Arrow, and now he's just Arrow, and it's, you yeah, know. Yeah, first he was, he was the Hood or the Hood the guy, hood. and then okay. he was the Arrow, and then he was the Green Arrow. Right. So it's like they kind of just named the show Arrow, but didn't want to call him Arrow to start the show. So that was an interesting choice. But I also want to briefly talk about the casting choices they made, because this was the first show of what at the time we didn't really know would become a four night event on the CW. So Stephen Amell is Oliver Queen. So Clearly, the main casting choice that they had to do right yeah, that there. Yeah, the big one. I, I really like him. I've liked him all along. I think he um, he was always a good heart for this show and sort of became like the anchor for the whole, um, like the whole universe that they were doing. Right. Um, and I think he just he plays the uh, like the damaged individual very well, personally. Yeah. And had you seen him in anything else before this? I know personally I had not, but then as the show went on, you know, I obviously found out he was Casey Jones in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies, which I believe he's been in two or three of those. I'm not entirely sure. I have not watched them yet. I've only seen clips of them. Yeah, I think he was in the one that came out this summer. I haven't seen that yet. Uh, I don't think I'd seen him in anything um, prior, prior to this. Uh, we watched we watched New Girl um, uh, this year earlier this year watched the whole thing 
I hadn't watched it yet, but he is in that for like two episodes as someone's like weird, crazy, kind of shitty boyfriend, and it's hilarious because it's like it's sort of his his playboy persona that he has as uh, Oliver Queen, but like dialed up to ten basically. Right. Um, so that was funny to see, but this is really, I think, still the only thing I've really seen him in, um, and he's obviously been pretty busy with it for the past you know, four years. So that makes sense. Yeah. And I think along with the other characters who were cast in this, I didn't know too many of them. I mean, obviously Susanna Thompson, who plays Oliver and Thea's mom. Yeah. She's been in a lot of stuff simply just because, you know, she's been acting for so long. And it's sort of the same with John Barrowman who plays Malcolm Merlin. So it's sort of like the parents in the show have been in other things but yeah, other than yeah. that those two and then um the guy who plays detective lance i'd seen him in a few things but yeah paul Black. Yeah, the younger characters um i think i'd seen katie cassidy who plays laurel i think i'd seen her in one or two things and i'd seen um thea was on the oc for a little while so i saw her in oh, that. okay um but was not familiar with too many of the people right and for me i i never got around to watching the oc so i had no clue that willa holland was in that but for me it was only david ramsey who i had remotely recognized because he had a part in dexter and Mm, you sort of it was one of those things you sort of forget about but then my mom was watching dexter well after it had stopped airing and well after I had watched it and I was just like oh yeah he's in this (laughs) you know because I would like pop in while she was watching it and everything and I was like oh yeah I forgot about this this is so weird seeing him in Dexter again so I think they kind of weird seeing any of them in like anything else because like I don't know if you've ever watched the show White Collar yes Um, I love that show but Paul Blackthorne is on that for like a couple episodes and he's supposed to be a hitman. Right, and right, right. It's like what who is this person? Like cuz he like has a different just a completely different persona in that show. So and plus he's a British guy. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's kind of funny. Yeah, and obviously some of the characters have gone and moved on to other shows now. Colin Donnell who plays Tommy Merlin, he's now in Chicago med and in one of the recent episodes of arrow when they're having that sort of alternate reality and you know both parents are still alive and everything like that tommy is supposedly alive but working in chicago which is something i caught and if you're not someone yeah i didn't know that if you're not someone who doesn't watch the chicago shows it's like you're not going to get that but it's also kind of a nice little nod to the fact that you know they're like oh yeah he's just over there (laughs) well that yeah they had a few of those little little nods during the crossover like there was one in the legends of tomorrow uh episode with um ray's character because ray was was superman in uh one of those, I think it's Superman Returns. Yeah, yeah. And he, he like, saw Kara and he was like, hey, that looks like my cousin. <laughs> yeah, I caught that too. And I was like, yes, thank you. <laughs> but, you know, at least that was still DC to DC too, which I think right, almost yeah. makes it even weirder when you first see Brandon Routh as Ray Palmer. I'm just like, wait. But he's Superman for a movie. <laughs> yeah, he was Superman. Yeah, but he doesn't come in until later. So why don't we now go through season to season, sort of see what we remember, what's what we remember, stuck, what stuck with yeah. us, and everything. But in season one, obviously, there is a huge focus on Ollie coming back from the island and sort of trying to get his life back together, and we sort of constantly see him having these nightmares and it's like he doesn't know how to be in this big rich fancy house anymore you know he doesn't know how to be the playboy ollie that he was before that accident 
Right, and he's like sleeping next to the like open window and it's raining or something. Right. I remember that scene. That was funny. Plus, also, when he becomes the hood, like the big surprise for me with this was that he was just like willing to kill people. Right. Because in like the first episode alone, he like breaks a few guys' necks and then he goes and starts shooting people with arrows. And then he like, because, you know, most of the, most of the superhero movies, like, they're not particularly violent. So, and at this, at this point in time, we didn't have like those Netflix shows like Daredevil or um, Jessica Jones or Luke Cage, which I, I, I think are... I mean, I, I could only get so far in Daredevil because it was that gruesome and just like it's a little, uh, little made me a little squeamish. But you know, at at the point at that point, this was definitely uh, a more extreme, uh, gritty take on uh, on comic book story, which is kind of funny to look back at now because so many other things have been made since. Right, and it's especially odd for the CW because that's sort of like the hey family friendly channel here's a bunch of teen stars and everything we're just going to put them well, all yeah, in one show yeah, here mean, you it, go it, it's it's sort of completely changed what the CW is doing because it was sort of like the where they would put the all those teen soap operas like Gossip Girl and One Tree right. Hill and stuff like that and then like you also had like Smallville ran for 10 years but that was sort of a mix between you know the teen soap thing and um, comic books slash sci-fi, and then you had you have you have Supernatural, which has been on for like eleven or twelve years, and that's that's a genre, right? Um, but until until Arrow, it was sort of like that was sort of the teen channel, and now it has sort of shifted more and more toward genre stuff, which is interesting, and obviously because they have four. Um, DC shows on there now like that's a big part of their big part of what they're doing but right they also have like they're still doing Supernatural and they have Frequency now which um I haven't seen the show but I saw the movie it was based on and that's pretty pretty pulpy so uh yeah it's definitely interesting how it's sort of changed that network yeah definitely and this first season sort of revolves around a section of the city called the Glades and it's basically a very poor section of the city. So you have, you know, Oliver Queen as this rich kid who was supposed to be dead for five years comes back. And now, despite the fact that he is flat out killing people, he wants to <laughs> help people at the same time. So it's like you have these two sides kind of tugging at each other. And this is where we first see Malcolm Merlin basically as the bad guy he is and he's sort of the constant villain through all five seasons we've seen him not as much in recent arrow episodes but he's sort of moved over to legends of tomorrow yeah, right now. Legends now so he's sort of that constant even though we do have these seasons that focus solely on you know one big bad so to speak but for this it's merlin that's how it starts out and you have Diggle, who's supposed to be Oliver's bodyguard, which, as we know, that turns out to be completely <laughs> unnecessary and pointless. But it sort of gets Diggle onto the team. And then we have Felicity Smoke, who is working at Queen Consolidated, which Queen Consolidated, it is no more. But it does not exist anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So basically I don't know what, what it's supposed to be called now. Um. <laughs> it was Palmer Tech. And then now I have no idea. Right, yeah. But she basically is the sitting in the basement tech girl <laughs> who then right, sort yeah. of moves up the company as she gets more involved with the hood and the arrow and being a part of that team. And then we have Laura Lance, who Ollie was dating at the time of the boating trip but then was cheating on her with her sister. And so that's like the epitome of yeah. rich boy Ollie right there. Yeah, that's that's pretty, uh, pretty unforgivable right there. Right. And then we have her sister who is presumed dead, Sarah. And as we find out later, obviously, she too somehow managed to survive. Yes. The sister who they recast, though. Did, did you know that? 
in the first episode where they uh, they show the ship going under. It's a different person. It's not Katie Lotz. Oh, okay. And then they, they uh, decided she was going to come back. So they recast that part. And then they just refilmed that. They redid that entire scene with the ship sinking. Um, it's pretty much the same. Like, you could probably put them side by side. Right. And it would be hard to tell, but it's her instead of whoever it used to be. Yeah, it's funny. Quite a few shows have been doing that because, to get a little off topic here, Gotham did the same thing when they were casting Dr. Tompkins. I don't know if you've watched that show or not, but basically the Emmy at Gotham PD. It's like she was one person to start in the very first episode we see her, and then they just totally recast someone different and someone of a different race too which that is a little more odd to me when you pick someone of one race oh, have man. them in an episode and yeah, then just that, that's weird. switch it completely and i didn't even realize it because i guess she wasn't a big part in that first episode she was in so i didn't even realize it was different actresses mm. at the time but yeah i would not have known that had you not told me about that and like you said in the boating accident it's obviously a very hectic scene very hard to tell even that they changed it but katie lots is basically the only sarah now you know they're not going to no matter how many times they brought her back from the dead it's going to stay (laughs) katie (laughs) lots yeah for good reason yeah i I still really like season one um i i know that most people prefer season two as the is the high watermark for the show and I'd probably say that too but um I think season one has a lot of really fun like self-contained stories because they're um first Diggle and Oliver and then Felicity comes on board but they're they're hunting down on the the people on this list that Oliver's dad left him um and Oliver doesn't really know what the list actually is but he's just assuming these people um need to be uh taken down a peg right um and I think it's really interesting to look back at that now since uh, the current season has sort of brought the list back into the conversation. It seems like it's going to be a pretty big part of what comes next. So um, basically he was hunting down rich people and making them atone for their sins or killing them um, <laughs> because that's what he did back right. then. And then uh, the whole time Malcolm's has this plan to basically destroy the Glades in vengeance for his wife's murder um and all this other stuff happens obviously but basically the glades get destroyed and um oliver challenges malcolm but fails to kill him and then tommy dies so <laughs> that's uh that's pretty much what happens yeah and i spoiler think... alert <laughs> and i think this first season does a good job of setting up a lot of these characters and while they're not quite to the point that we see them in later seasons you know obviously Thea is more you know running the club and everything for a while there before she really becomes speedy and joins the team and everything before that she's she's sort of bratty uh misbehaving teenager I think her running the club was actually mostly season season two so yeah, I actually did not like her very much in season one. I thought she was kind of annoying uh, and not very well developed either. But I've, right. she's become definitely one of the stronger characters on the show, I think. Yeah, and basically this first season seems to really be setting up not only Oliver, but Merlin more so than anyone else because he's sort of his main focus aside from the names in the little black book and everything. And obviously as time goes on Merlin always finds a way to do something that is basically just very Merlin like at this point so it's like every season he just does something else to piss everyone off basically but I think the most powerful moment for this probably was you know Oliver coming home Laurel and Tommy are dating because you know they both thought he was dead (laughs) and then you have Tommy's tragic death in the glades when everything sort of gets out of hand and I think that sort of helps set up some of these changes that come in season two 
because then in season two, Ollie decides he's going to stop killing the people. He'll still shoot them with arrows. It just <laughs> yes. won't kill them. And hurt them, hurt them very badly. <laughs> right. And then season two is when we get Slade Wilson, who I think they did a fantastic job with this character. Oh yeah, yeah. Manny Bennett was terrific. I think he's. I think that's still the best casting they've had. And right. I think that's part of the reason that the later seasons are not as well um, reviewed is because they got such a great villain for season two. Yeah. And then have sort of struggled to live up to that. Right. And what do you think about the flashback aspect of the show? I know a lot of people got really tired of it because, you know, it was still happening four seasons later. And it's like, all right, could we have just gotten through all the flashbacks in season one or two and sort of moved yeah, on yeah, from I'm, them? I'm very, um, I'm very split on the flashbacks. I like them in season one and two. I think they're pretty well um, built into the story because uh, Manny Bennett actually... He, he was in season one in the flashbacks. Right. Um, and it was him and Oliver and Shadow who they met on the island. And I, I liked those two seasons. I think they did, they mirrored the, um, what was going on in the present pretty well and also sort of did a good job of telling the origin story without making the entire show the origin story. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and especially in season two, I think they really balanced this well because obviously Slade is is the villain in both. Like he was the villain on the island because he took the the Mirakuru to become like a super soldier right. and basically lost his mind, and then um, he he came back to uh, to get revenge on Oliver. So I think that was really effective because they. You could have you could have a villain like that Oliver had a past with, and then it's basically like a lot of the season was that you know Oliver came home to save his city, but you know by coming back he brought this guy basically, and that eventually leads to um, his mother's death, which I think is maybe still the best scene in the series. Like just right. from a both from an emotional standpoint and from like I did not see that coming at all. Um, it was definitely they pulled off the twist well, I think, with that. Um, so I think the emotional stakes in this season were good. I think there were definitely um, a, a, there was definitely a greater sense of danger, and even though it was sort of less realistic than the first season, I guess, because you had uh, like these these super soldiers that were on this. Uh, serum from the Japanese in World War II. Um, I think they still did a good job of grounding it in realism, which is something that, as we will get to, I think they've struggled with in in later seasons. Yeah, and I think what season two does really well is it brings more people to the team without feeling like it's too forced, because then we have Roy Harper joining the team, and we find out Sarah is still alive and you know she's the one in black who's also going after some of the same people that Oliver is going after and they kind of reel those two characters in and obviously yeah. this is still before Thea really joins the team and everything and this is still before we see Ray Palmer and what he's working on and all of that sort of thing so I think they do a good job in this of balancing the team dynamic you know it's not like we ever had all of these characters on the team at the same time because you know right. if we had oliver roy thea diggle and then all the new people, sarah like that, like... laurel it would be way out of hand and like you said yes all of the new people in season five it's just like that would be way too much at once and way too many different heroes to keep track of or vigilantes if you want to still call them that yeah yeah um i liked i liked the sarah storyline in this season a lot i think um you know bringing her back and having her and oliver be involved again um was sort of a good way to like create 
more of like like deserved tension between Oliver and Laurel, I guess. Like there's this really great scene in the season where uh Oliver shows up to dinner at Laurel's apartment with Sarah and then Laurel freaks out and then like she storms out and Oliver like goes after her and like basically gives her like a, a pull your shit together speech and that's one of uh one of Stephen Amell's best moments in the show. Um I think he he usually does sort of the more like brutal like uh tough love kind of thing but i think he does the emotional scenes really well which is why he's probably still my favorite of the um of the main heroes they've cast for the cw shows yeah yeah and i definitely agree with you he sort of does both sides of the personality very well he does the hood really well and then he's also really great at now being the green arrow and sort of having this internal struggle where it's like he still wants to be the hood in some instances but he's really trying to not be that person anymore and we see this later when he gets involved with felicity and it's sort of a struggle for both of them because I think, you know, obviously Felicity realizes he's never going to fully be able to give this up. They do for a short while. And we saw how well that worked, you know. (laughs) Basically, it didn't. (laughs) It did not. It did not work. Right. For them or for the viewers. (laughs) Right. And it's just like, all right, this isn't going to last very long. And, you know, in season three, we sort of get a lot more of that DC lore thrown at us because then this is where they introduce Ra's al Ghul and obviously his daughter comes into the picture as well this season. But you still have, you know, the pain from everything that Slade Wilson did. And then you go from Slade to Ra's al Ghul. And it's just like, okay, that's, you know two big steps in a row for them. And I think obviously Slade Wilson played out much better because I know a lot of people sort of got tired of the Ra's al Ghul storyline pretty quickly in season three. Yeah, I think there were a few things they did not do right in this season. Um, First of all, I don't think they should have had Ra's al Ghul right after Slade. Right. I think they should have sort of given it some sort of done what they've done this season which is like go back to smaller scale stuff but there's also like a a sort of a mysterious big bad lurking around the edges right um and i mean that's obviously going to come into play more during the second half of the season but like Ra's al Ghul is a is definitely a very big character in the DC universe and we've seen him in um in Batman Begins um, so, uh, like, pretty much everyone who was watching probably knew who he was. Right. And, like, that, you know, he's he's immortal. He's supposed to be, like, this uh, great warrior. And, like, he just didn't... He wasn't as imposing. Like, the actor, I don't think, was quite able to pull off what he needed to. I don't think he had the the required amount of charisma for that. Especially coming after... Manny Bennett as Slade, which was like uh, a great performance and a great villain, and also a villain that was very tied to Oliver's past. And then I don't even remember, like, oh, I do remember. It's because Thea was brainwashed into killing Sarah, which was a weird thing. And then, like, Razal Ghul was going to come kill. Thea or Malcolm and then like Oliver wanted to defend them so he was suddenly a target of I don't really remember what happened but he was pretty convoluted and that was a problem and then the flashbacks were this is where the flashbacks fall apart because Oliver's just off in this is when he's in uh, Hong Kong I believe Hong Kong yeah yeah 
Uh, and it's just like, okay, what does it, this have like, to do did, with anything? Did not really <laughs> relate to the yeah, didn't relate to the story at all until like the very end when they brought in the like the the virus or whatever right. that that Roz was going to use to destroy Starling City. And then, um, like, killing Sarah was a bad idea, and I think they realized that that was a bad idea. And then, um, like, they had Oliver get stabbed and pushed off a cliff mid-season, which was interesting. But then they sort of just walked that back right away. Yeah. Yeah, season three is the worst season of the show, in my opinion, and I have not had... I, I think I've watched season season one maybe three times and season two twice and i have not felt the desire to rewatch season three at all yeah and i think the main parts of season three that worked out well obviously ray palmer buying queen consolidated and it being renamed palmer technologies so then that sort of gives felicity her new role there and her access to this technology that can benefit the team and everything so i think some of the best parts of this season had absolutely nothing to do with the villain because <laughs> no, then the best parts were yeah it was it was ray and then like john Roy having a kid yeah yeah because theo was learning like theo was learning how to fight from malcolm in this season and then she became a player right and then roy basically he didn't sacrifice himself, but he he like took the fall for Oliver, yeah, um, and got arrested and then faked his death. So that's when he left the show, um, right? But all the Roz stuff is just a little, a little heavy-handed and kind of boring. Yeah, and then obviously, <clears throat> while Thea kills Sarah, we clearly know Sarah's not actually dead anymore. <laughs> so right. it's like you know they've theoretically killed Sarah twice now. <laughs> and it's like, okay, how many times are you going to kill the same character over and over again? Hopefully they are done with that because now she's the white canary over yes, on I have, Legends. I have some thoughts about their um, their let's kill a character storytelling method, but we'll get to that with season four because I think it was a problem there as well. Right. And then in <clears throat> season three, this is when Laurel steps up and becomes the black canary and needless to say she's not great at it to start (laughs) (laughs) so good and i think you know that is something that was really focused on in season three as well that benefited her character more so than the general storyline going on so there were a lot of things they did well in season three it's just they happen to have nothing to do with the actual storyline they were trying to advance the entire season and i think The problem with doing these, you know, 20, 22 episode seasons with just a single villain, I think season three is when it really started to show that maybe they shouldn't necessarily do that. But then here we go. Season four, they do it all over again with Damien Dark, who is played by Neil McDonough. And yeah, I I think I liked it better there because just because I think he was. He was a lot of fun. I don't think the story was necessarily great, but, you know, he was... uh, He played the character well. He was hilarious. Right. (laughs) So, season four, this is when Oliver finally becomes the Green Arrow. Why it took until season four, I'm not entirely sure, but the show is just named Arrow, so I guess it's fine. But, so we see this name change again, and... To me, that the name change doesn't really mean too much. Obviously, season no, four, he no. gets this new and improved suit and everything. So mm. that's probably the main reason behind it. And well, then, actually, the, what they wanted to do, what they said leading up to this season, was that it was going to be, it was going to be a lighter tone. Okay. Um, and that it was going to be like more reflective of the comics. I guess I haven't, I haven't really read the comics, so. I'll just take their word for that, but um, <laughs> it 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 was not actually a lighter tone at all. So it's sort of um, like it was supposed to be. He was supposed to become more optimistic, basically, and um, like improve as a leader, I think, and be and not blame himself for everything, which is definitely an Oliver Queen problem. Um, 
but it, it's that none of that really happened. It was it was not it wasn't like it wasn't a dark season, right? So I don't know if they just just decided that they didn't like that idea, or if they just tried to do it and did it really badly. But um, yeah, I don't I don't think the name change really me- meant anything in the grand scheme of things. Right. And season four, we have our second Lazarus Pit struggle here because Thea has an encounter with it at some point too. So we've had both Sarah and Thea sort of brought back to life by the Lazarus Pit. And I think they sort of did away with Thea's bloodlust pretty quickly i guess you could say yeah because it's like it wasn't really a problem yeah it was like so intense and now it's like a non-factor in season five and it's been a non-factor for quite a while if i'm remembering correctly but yeah i don't even i had completely forgotten about that so yeah so it's sort of like i mean i think i would definitely agree that season three is the low point of the show so far and season four, it's it's like right above it, but it's still, it was still a season that had a lot of problems. The sole reason I would say that season four is better than season three is that Neil McDonough as Damien Dark is a better villain right. than uh, Matt Nable as Ra's al Ghul. That's, that's pretty much the only reason. Everything else about this season was, like, there was some stuff I, I thought was done well. I liked... Um, I like that they brought back Diggle's brother and had sort of gave him more to do because he hadn't, he didn't have much to do in season three. Um, Diggle didn't. Right. Uh, and then they eventually broke up Oliver and um, Felicity, which I think was probably for the best. Um, but like the whole, um, first of all, the the like nuclear bomb threat. Right. Was I think a little it was a little too big for a uh a show like this. Like it just wasn't it wasn't very compelling. Like I think the smaller scale stuff is more interesting, which is why I liked the like Slade wanting revenge on Oliver thing right. a lot. And like Damien Dark wanting to blow up the city and having like an underground fake city where he has taken some people was weird. Uh, and then my other big problem with it, um, I mean, other than the flashbacks, which were once again very bizarre and not really connected with anything, uh, my other big problem with it is that like it very much relies on killing a character. Right. Because like right at the end of the premiere, you have like the shot of Oliver standing at the grave of of an unidentified person. Right. And like right after that aired, they were like, like the producers and writers of the show, they were like, "Oh, we don't know who we're killing yet. We're just gonna kill someone." Right. And that like pretty much shows that it's not like storytelling motivated by like something that should happen or needs to happen. It's like, oh, we need a a cheap twist to like tell our story for us because we don't have any ideas. So let's just say we're going to kill someone and we'll decide later who we're going to kill. Right. And then they eventually killed off Laurel, which I think was kind of a bummer. Because, you know, first of all, Detective Lance has been through some shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's he's uh, buried three daughters and he only has two. So, yeah, <laughs> that, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> and then she, like, she had just gotten... She had seen a lot of growth, you know, and I think her story wasn't necessarily over. And I don't think her story with Oliver was necessarily over either. Because, like, in the comics, it's they're supposed to end up the pairing, you know. So, like, that was weird. That was a weird choice for me. And um, I didn't really like how that played out. And I don't, I just wish they would stop using, like, deaths of characters as their only way to raise the stakes on these shows. Right, because obviously they had already killed Sarah twice. They killed Thea and or came very close to killing Thea and she was resurrected in the Lazarus pit. 
So it's like, did you really need to kill someone in season four? I think, you know, they could have gone a season without killing someone. <laughs> right. And they kill and they killed Moira in season two. Right. And they killed Tommy in season one. So it's it's pretty much been every season at least someone has died and sometimes more than one person. So it's obviously like it's on their ch- storytelling checklist or something. Right. And another thing that just felt off in season four was, oh, hey, let's give Oliver a nine-year-old son. Oh, yeah. And it, it's like, I, I get that with his lifestyle he had before the accident and being stranded on an island for five years and everything that it was obviously a possibility, but to just throw that into this season on top of knowing they're already going to kill someone the whole season it's just like okay and it's like it hasn't been mentioned since it's like oh he has a son we'll just get over it in season five they just just sent him and his mom away and that's it right the seeds for that were sown in in the season two episode where moira dies because there were flashbacks to her like basically paying off the mother and she moves away and then like that was supposed to be like say something about her devotion to Oliver. Right. Moira's, I guess. I don't know. And then they brought it back, but they brought it back at a really weird time cuz like they brought it back in the crossover last year, right? That's when it came back in. Yeah. And this is also when they're like with working really hard with the Flash and Arrow to launch Legends of Tomorrow. Right. So like that was just like a, a very weird storytelling decision and that's also sort of how they broke up or started to break up Oliver and Felicity. Right. Uh so it just yeah, it was it was sort of a a very busy season with like not really a whole lot of cohesion. I think that's sort of the problem with it. Yeah. But you know, I think they've they've definitely started to recover from that in season 5, which I guess is as good a segue as any, unless you have (laughs) (laughs) anything else to say about season four. No, I'm good with that. And obviously season five, it's sort we don't get an entirely new cast, but we get a huge addition, basically. While, you know, Mr. Terrific was already in the show because he was working at Palmer Tech and everything. He just wasn't Mr. Terrific yet. So you know obviously he was as soon as people saw him in the show it was like oh he's gonna be that guy once they saw him playing around with gadgets and everything and then you know they just bring in well artemis had already been in the show she made appearances here and there right yeah she i think it was one or two episodes they came across her and you know how they find all of these people who are obsessed with arrows i don't know but, you know, she's, what, the fifth or sixth yeah, apparently, person? <laughs> apparently archery is a, is a, common, um, it's a common hobby in this universe. I guess. Universe. I mean, it makes sense as a rich kid sport. <laughs> so it makes sense for Oliver and Thea. <laughs> right, yeah. But we get her back and recruited to the team. And then, you know, Wild Dog and Ragman sort of just up here i i i mean wild dog well yeah Ragman was wild dog was out fighting crime yeah he was just like a i think they they like put him in the premiere and he was fighting crime and like oliver like strung him up or something okay yeah stop doing this and then Ragman was connected somehow to uh the bombing the city the city that felicity accidentally nuked in (laughs) in season four right because that happened i keep forgetting that that happened it seems like it should be a much bigger deal than it is yeah and it's like they brought it up in season five once she realized where ragman was from and obviously the rags are what saved his life so that sort of is how that ties in but it just i don't want to say it felt forced but that whole situation became very awkward very quickly and it felt like they didn't really know how to handle it and now it's again a non-factor it's like you know they're fine with each other now like that's a a leftover leftover blunder from season four that i don't really blame on season five and i think they're trying 
they're trying to sort of get back to the um the the spirit of the first few seasons which is is definitely the the right choice but they still have like this that that's a pretty big elephant in the room to have like cuz like think about that like if a if a nuke went off like on united states soil and devastated a, a city like that would be that would be everywhere and it would be all people were talking about and it's just not like i i forget it happens unless they have felicity talking about it right so yeah i think that that is an unfortunate thing that they're having to live with from the not so stellar writing of season four uh, but other than that, I've been very happy with this season. I think, yeah. like the new the new team, like the new team members are okay. I I don't I don't feel a strong attachment to any of them at this point in time. But I think it was a good idea to sort of clean house and have Oliver work with new people, and then um, Oliver is also the mayor, which right. is sort of a funny. Uh, funny dichotomy yeah and then Dig- diggle at the beginning of this season is in prison so he um we have to figure that out and he gets broken out and rejoins but sort of can't go back to his old life because he's a wanted man right and then uh, you have prometheus running around and killing people <clears throat> and you also had tobias church who's now dead but i thought he was a pretty good um like half season bad, I guess. Yeah. Uh he sort of really reminded me of some of the like some of the Batman begins bad guys. Right. Like the just Gotham City crime bosses or whatever. And I thought it was good to bring him back in or her, bring him in cuz it was more like oh, they actually do fight crime in this city. They don't just deal with like crazy these people. random <laughs> people who come to town and and want to blow people up or whatever. So that that was interesting, and it sort of added a, a crime drama element to the first half of the season that I liked. Y- but yeah. now we have the the mystery of Prometheus, which I think is is interesting, and I also have a theory on that, which we can talk about in a few minutes. Right, and I think they've done a great job with Prometheus so far, just because he hasn't overtaken the entire season. Like you said, we have... Tobias Church in the beginning of the season and he lasts almost to the midway point of the season and then we have this big you know alien crossover that happens so that sort of takes us away from Prometheus for you know that episode and I think they're I don't think they're necessarily trying to make up for seasons three and four but I think they've figured it out that hey let's give them something else to do instead of just focusing on this single person and obviously we see artemis is the one who betrayed the team and is working with prometheus spoiler alert you know in case you guys i think that's a given though (laughs) you know we're talking about the whole show yeah i i don't think yeah so um a few things i want to say before i get to my prometheus theory uh, I thought the crossover episode of this show was very strong. Right. And I wasn't really sure what to expect with the crossover, because, like, previous crossovers have just been sort of, like, they threw everyone together. Yeah. And had, like, a multi-part episode where they were fighting the same threat. But this year, they really uh, sort of tried to... They tailored make it, so it each to episode each episode was one. Yeah. yeah. Each episode was very much an episode of that show. So, like, in The Flash, you have... Uh, everything going going on with Flashpoint and sort of the the ramifications of that, right? And then in Arrow, like this could have easily been a very very cheesy episode because like basically the entire team gets abducted by aliens, <laughs> right? And then like they're like up in space in a alternate in a reality and everything. <clears throat> yeah, and this was the hundredth episode, but um, I think it's maybe not. I think. My favorite seasons of the show are probably a few of the ones in season two. Right. Um, but this one was definitely up there, I think, with the best the show has done. Because it's sort of... Uh, it did a great job of showing, like, what could have happened if, um, you know, Oliver had not gotten on that boat, basically. Right. And um, just, like, having having the, the, the parents back was really effective. And then, like having this this 
um, struggle with with um, Thea and Oliver, and they're like, should we even go back, or like, is this better than what our real life is, basically? Yeah. Once they realize it's a hallucination, so right. I think that did a really good job of like hitting some emotional points and uh, especially just like emphasizing the relationships between all the characters because like you know Diggle was in that um, hallucination too and Sarah was in there and then Thea and Oliver obviously and Oliver was getting married to Laurel and Oliver was getting married to Laurel Um, but Thea and Oliver I feel like their relationship at this point is sort of one of my favorite things about the show right she is working as his I don't exactly know what her position is with his mayor's office, but um she's like the chief of staff for yeah, the mayor, basically, basically the chief of staff uh and I've liked how they've sort of built that up, and like obviously they both have some some pretty pretty deep emotional scars, but um you know how how that scene where he sort of convinced her to to come back right i think was very effective yeah and i think that sort of brings us into what will come next and while episode 100 wasn't the mid-season finale for them it sort of brought at least for me a lot of these questions because it was an all hands on deck situation and we see thea gear up as speedy again and it's like you can just tell how much she's enjoying it all over again even though she walked away from it willingly so for me it's like okay are we going to see her back in the second half of the season i know we didn't for the mid-season finale which is when we had the big like the big prometheus episode basically to close out the season and i think obviously maybe the fact that artemis betrayed the team and so they're down a person already. Yeah, yeah. I I think she will come back. Yeah. And I think, because um, like this past episode, you know, um, yeah, Artemis betrayed them. And then Oliver got tricked into murdering Felicity's boyfriend right. by Prometheus. So he's like right now arguably at a lower point than he's been at any point throughout the series. Except for maybe after when his mom got di- got killed in front of him. So, yeah. like, I think she will come back and sort of be uh, a key part of fighting Prometheus, who I have a theory is actually uh, the other child of Ra's al Ghul. Okay. And is a is a woman. Interesting. And I think, I think it's the reporter that Oliver is currently dating. That's my theory, anyway. That would definitely be interesting if that's how that played out, especially when we saw Oliver go over to her place late that right one after. night. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it's like she kind of wants, it's almost like she wants to see if he's going to open up to her and if he's going to say something about also being the green arrow or something like that. It's like, she's kind of giving him these little moments where he can talk to her and he's choosing not to. So he's still kind of keeping his guard up, but that's definitely an interesting theory. And I'm totally blanking on his daughter's names, the Rasagul's daughter's names right now. I know one. I think it's Talia. Yeah. Talia Al-Ghul. The one we've seen is Nissa. But okay, there we like, go. She's not going to come back. Yeah. Um, so it would be it would be another one, and Talia is the one that was in the Batman movies, right? And that this is sort of the storyline that happened there. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if if that happens. I also, wouldn't be surprised if it's someone we haven't seen. But I think the I forget what her actual name is, but I feel like the girl that Oliver is dating has secrets that we don't know about. Yet. Definitely, and. What's interesting about that is, you know, they are sort of leading us to believe it's the son of someone he killed from the names yes, in the book. Yes, when he was using the list. Uh-huh. Right. So that will be interesting because obviously I highly doubt Oliver's dad had Ra's al Ghul on, in that book, you know? so No, but he, Oliver did kill Ra's al Ghul. Right. So, um, you know, if there's, they might be barking up the wrong tree with the list right now. I don't think that this guy or 
girl who is Prometheus is um, who they thought it was in that episode. Right. I think that was sort of supposed to be a red herring to lure Oliver to this uh, this building where, like, Prometheus had basically laid this trap and um, made it so Oliver would kill Felicity's boyfriend, right. which is a comp- makes their relationship more complicated again. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very. I think they set up a lot of interesting questions for the back half of the season. I think the last two episodes before the break were the strongest of the season so far, and I think it's been a very strong season so far. But these are my favorite episodes, these two, um, since the end of the second season. Yeah. So I definitely have high hopes. I think right now this is the strongest of the um, CW superhero shows again. I think for a while it wasn't. Right. Um, I think two seasons ago it was The Flash, and I think last season it was Supergirl. Um, so I think it's... I'm definitely on board again. I I didn't stop watching, but, you know, following the the Arrow threads on, on Chorus.fm and Absolute Punk, um, it, it definitely seemed like a lot of people were disenchanted with it and were either giving up or not watching on a week-to-week basis and right. just catching up after the fact. So uh, I'm happy to see that it's sort of back to its strengths. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what comes next. Yeah, and before we wrap this up, what do you think about all of the Russia flashbacks this season? I mean, to me, I don't know if they will end up tying in with Prometheus or anything like that, but... The flashbacks, at least there haven't been nearly as many of them, it seems, as there were in, you know, season three, really. Because to me, these ones aren't really relating to too much yet, but I get a feeling that they're going to be going somewhere at some yeah, point. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, this is, th- these will be, this will probably be the last season of flashbacks. Cause yeah. Each one we've done a year so far. Right. And, um, we're in year five. And I think they have island. announced that, only too. on the island, quote-unquote, for five years. So, um, yeah, I mean, personally, I've been waiting to see the Bratva stuff since season one, uh, when it was revealed that he was a Bratva captain, because I just thought that was really kind of funny right. and interesting. Yeah. And I also like Anatoly, who we saw previously in season two for a little bit. Um, so the flashbacks so far for me have been... You know, they haven't, there haven't been that many, which has been good. I think keeping them short and few and far between has, has helped the um, show stay focused on telling interesting stories in the present. But, you know, I, I've definitely been interested so far. I think they've tied them in about as well as they could, you know, sort of with, like, Oliver training his team while he's... Um, like the flashbacks are telling how he got into the Bratva. Right. I thought that was pretty well done. And um, I don't really know much about Konstantin Kovar yet, I guess. We saw him, what, once? Yeah. Once or twice. So I don't know how that's going to go. But uh, they have not detracted from the show for me this year. Right. And last year and the previous year, they definitely did. So... Yeah, and I think, you know, like I said, obviously, you and I are both sort of expecting Thea to come back, but is there anything else you're really expecting to happen the second half of the season other than finding out who Prometheus is and sort of wrapping up these Russian flashbacks that we're having? Yeah, I mean, the other big thing is that, you know, Diggle got captured in the last episode. right? Um, So we have to deal with that. Um, other than that, I don't, I don't really know what they're going to do. I would love to see Slade come back at some point. Yeah. But, um, I don't know if that will happen. Right. And I, I know I briefly said, I also want to talk about Flashpoint from obviously the Flash and how that sort of affected this show. And prior to season five, Diggle had baby Sarah. Now he has a baby boy. (laughs) And while that's not, you know, a huge impact on the story, it's obviously a huge impact on Diggle and Lila. And, you know, in the crossover event, 
Diggle finds out he had a daughter before, and he doesn't take it very well. No, he does not take well to that news. And I think, you know, in Arrow, as far as we know, that's really the only thing that's changed. I don't know, you know, if we'll find out about anything else down the line. And obviously, a character we forgot to mention is Felicity's mom, who was a big part of season four. And it's like they just don't really mention her anymore. (laughs) So it's like they've sort of done some odd things with the characters. Well, they mentioned her maybe once because, you know, Lance came back and he's drinking again. Yeah. And I think he mentioned that they they separated. Right. And I I feel like she must have just gotten cast in something else and is is busy and can't be on the show right now. I don't know. Yeah, it was very abrupt. (laughs) I haven't really thought about it because I wasn't particularly interested in their storyline, I guess. Right. So, um, yeah, I I don't know if there's anything there. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if one or two more Flashpoint things come in. Yeah. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they don't because I don't know how much, like, they want to bring in something that's happened on another show and make it, like, an issue for this one. And I think they've been definitely trying to to keep them separate most mostly yeah uh even with even with the crossover like as much as they could like you could watch just one of those episodes and probably still know mostly what was going on right so um yeah i think the back half will definitely be focused very much on like unraveling the mystery of who prometheus is and i wouldn't be surprised if they um go back to the list a little more and I think Oliver will will question his kill or no kill rule because he sort of went back to killing people at the beginning of this season and he's sort of been more in a gray area. Right. And he killed Damien Dark at the end of season four. And that's really sort of what started it all over again. Yeah, because it was basically like if I had killed this guy when we captured him, Laura wouldn't have died and... That city wouldn't have gotten nuked, and right. I mean, you got like it really is more efficient. <laughs> True, <laughs> but yeah, you know, the, you got you got the moral thing, and I think that'll be discussed again. And um, I, I feel like there's there's going to be something with Lance because, like, you know, you had you had a mention a few weeks ago, like Lance was waking up with these uh, throwing stars the, the, and whatnot. The throwing stars, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I feel like he ties in somehow in in a him not being Prometheus, but somehow being either a pawn or an unwilling partner or something like that. Right. So I think we'll see we'll see more of him. I don't know if he was in the last two episodes. I don't think so. And um, then Laurel came back. I forgot about this. Right. Uh, at, at at the very end of uh, the mid-season finale, and I have no idea what's going on there. I think maybe it's Earth 2, Laurel? Who we've seen in The Flash. So yeah. I know, obviously, they sort of want to keep Katie Cassidy around, but I know she's been off filming other stuff, which might not necessarily be why they killed her. It just probably helped a lot with her schedule. <laughs> right. Well, I think she is contracted across all um four shows right just like um wentworth miller who plays captain cold i think he is contracted over all four shows as well but we've only seen each of them in like one or two episodes yeah this season so uh i think i i don't really have any good theories about that uh about laurel coming back and i'll be interested to see how that plays out but I'm I'm honestly more interested in the Prometheus stuff right right now, and I think that'll be the uh, the main focus. Yeah, definitely. And I think you know, like I said, they've been doing a much better job balancing the characters' own storylines and Prometheus, and it's like they're sort of putting more into the season instead of focusing on a single villain the entire time. And obviously, you know having someone betray the team for what is essentially the first time obviously they had planted captain lance 
for the Damien Dark thing because, you know, Dark was threatening to kill Laurel and all of this stuff, which he right. went and did anyway. So we also had, you know, Diggle and his brother in season four, which I think was probably the strongest character, like single character aspect for the team Yeah, was the relationship between Diggle and his brother and then eventually killing his brother because he knows his brother won't change. So, you know, we have all of these things that have happened to these characters in previous seasons. And it's like this season, they're sort of figuring out how to best focus on each character and their personal lives and this sort of thing. And we're especially seeing that with Felicity now that Oliver unintentionally killed her boyfriend. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how that relationship, too, plays out between Oliver and Felicity because yes. it was sort of already strained when they split up and now it's sort of been getting better and then now you know it's like everything's falling apart again yeah and it didn't look like she was going to blame him outright but right. I feel like it will still have uh, lasting ramifications on both their work relationship and their personal relationship yeah and I'm I just hope it doesn't go the way of like season three where they just made Felicity cry all the time right and I'm hoping they handle it better than they've handled Ragman and Felicity because obviously Felicity dropped a bomb and basically killed his entire family (laughs) and it's like all right you said it I said it we're cool this sort of thing and it's like that only played out for an episode or two so obviously with the relationship that Oliver and Felicity have had I'm hoping they make something more out of that yeah I'd agree I hope so too I think I think that'll be uh sort of a complicated part of the story that they try to tell so I I just hope they keep it they've done a good job of keeping it character focused so far this season yeah. And I, I hope they keep doing it. Uh, I think Prometheus is effective largely because we haven't seen him or her very much yet. Right. Um, it sort of like reminds me a little bit of the Joker in The Dark Knight, where like the first half he's maybe on screen for, I don't know, 25 minutes and sort of creates a, a horrifying presence just because like it, it's more unpredictable that way. Right. And after like a few seasons of the villain being very very much a focus, I think that's sort of a good um a good way to change things up. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that about covers it for everything I've had to say. Is there anything yeah, you have left? Yeah. That was pretty comprehensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think I've said my piece. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I know you and I both have a few other topics in mind since we have quite a few shows in common and especially music i know i haven't covered pretty much any music so far on this podcast so i'm sure we will definitely plan something out there but again thank you for coming on and i definitely look forward to doing some future episodes with you yeah me too it's fun awesome all right happy holidays yes even though this will air after the holidays we hope you enjoy the holidays holidays. Hopefully you guys are enjoying the beginning of 2017. That still sounds so weird to say. But as always, you guys, thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.